0: When I was a kid, one of the jobs around my house that I hated more than anything was taking out the trash. Can anybody relate to me on that? No? Amen? Somebody? No? Okay. All right. Well, on the surface, not all that big a deal. But let me tell you why it was a big deal to me. Because trash never got taken out in the daytime. It always got taken out at night. Okay? Now are we tracking together a little bit. All right? And then at my house, my backyard was about 50 yards long. And our trash cans were at the end of our yard. And so here's what would happen. I would have to take the trash out of uh, the house, down the 50-yard backyard to the trash can that butted up against the alley. And God only knows what was lurking out there in the alley, right? Not a big deal walking out. I was fine walking out, okay? In fact, I would walk out and I would be the most courageous dude on the block walk out all big and bad, and nothing's going to scare me tonight. Now, you got to understand, I'm about 8 or 9 years old, too, okay? So, so it what, I mean, it only lasted until I was about 16. And so, um, I'm about 8 or 9 years old, and I take the trash out. I'm all courageous and no big deal until I turned around to come back to the house, right? And every time I dropped the trash off and I turned around to come back to the house that's when it always felt like there was somebody behind me. Now can anybody relate to me? Okay, just checking, right? And so you need to understand that, um, you know, I wore husky-sized pants when I was a kid, all right? I mean, I was kind of a thick little dude. But whenever I would turn around to come back to the house, I ran that 50 yards in my backyard in about three seconds. So if it was draft day in the NFL Combine, the Colts would have taken me in the first round because I made it that 50 yards in about three seconds. Okay, Now, what made the difference in how fast I could normally run And how fast I could make it. Now, three seconds, that's a bit of a stretch, all right? Just in case some of you younger ones are thinking, wow, our preacher's fast. No, I was not. It just seemed like it. And so I would fly back to the house. And the difference was fear. You know, fear motivated me to do something that was beyond what I would normally be able to do. But fear can also, uh, I don't know, hinder you from doing things that need to be done as well. I heard a story about a young officer, he was taking his final exam for the police academy and he comes to this question, hypothetical situation, you're on patrol in the outer city when an explosion occurs in a gas main at a nearby street. On investigation you find that a large hole has been blown into the footpath, the sidewalk area and there's an overturned van nearby. Inside the van there's a strong smell of alcohol Both occupants, a man and a woman, are injured. You recognize the woman as the wife of your chief of police who is at present out of town for a couple of weeks. A passing motorist stops to offer you assistance and you realize that he is a man who's wanted for armed robbery. Suddenly a man runs out of a nearby house shouting that his wife is expecting a baby. The shock of the explosion has sent her into labor and the birth is imminent. Another man is crying for help having been blown in the adjacent canal by the explosion and he can't swim and he's going finger. He's down for the count. Describe in a few words what actions you would take. Dave Hebe, you're smiling, right? You're trying to think about what you do in this situation. The young man thought for a moment. He picked up his pen and he wrote, I would take off my uniform and just mingle with the crowd. Now, anybody here today ever just thought, you know, it'd be nice sometimes to just mingle in with the crowd. It it would nice it'd be nice to not have to worry about certain things that I need to do or need to say or how I need to act as a Christian. You ever been so scared sometimes that, that you literally, you don't know what move to make. You're almost paralyzed in, in fear. I've been there before. I'm not going to bore you with another story. But it's a humbling experience to be so afraid that you don't know what to do next. Well, I feel like we are living in a world right now where fear is absolutely dominating the lives of a lot of people. There are people outside of the church who are so fearful right now that they just don't know where to turn. There are people inside of the church even though we claim to be believers in Jesus and we claim His promises, we wake up every day afraid of what the day might, might hold. There are some people that are sitting out here right now you are concerned about your health, you're fearful of your health and maybe some upcoming tests. There's fear over the economy, whether we're going to go into another recession or not. There's a lot of people that are afraid of COVID. We've got parents who are afraid to send their kids to school in fear of what their kids might be taught. There's a lot of people getting worked up right now over the 5,000 Afghans that are housed up at Camp Atterbury. There's a lot of things. There's, I worry about my grandson growing up in this. This world. I think about, all. Oh, I look over the congregation and see our kids, and I worry about our kids' future. I've seen more people afraid in the world right now than I think quite possibly I've ever seen in my lifetime. And there are some people who believe that in the world right now, they believe that the Antichrist is already on the scene, and he's at work, and he's just waiting for the opportune moment to come onto the scene. Well, one thing I just want to address, I don't want to go into it right now, I'll teach about it a little bit down, farther down the road, but, but I don't believe in one singular Antichrist. Maybe that'll help solve you, your fear. I believe that there are, the Bible calls anybody who is outside of Jesus an Antichrist, and there's many Antichrists, but I don't believe that the book of Revelation teaches uh, that there is just one singular person who's going to rise to power. Now, you might not agree with that, and that's okay, Uh, But that's that's what I believe, and I'll explain that down the road in another sermon. But I will quote the author of Theology 101, who says, No passage of Scripture directs Christians to prep for the Antichrist, but numerous passages instruct them to await Christ's return. It's a real problem if your end times expectations are Antichrist-centered. In other words, they're based on fear, rather than Christ-centered, based on hope. And so today we're kicking off a brand new series that we're calling Fear Not, and over the next few weeks we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say to us about this issue of fear, because I believe, as I said earlier, there are a lot of people in our church, outside of our church, in our community, in our world, who are living their lives in absolute fear, and the good news is the Bible has a lot to say to us about this issue of fear. In fact, the command... Fear not appears in one form or another 365 times from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. It is given to uh, specific individuals. It's given to dozens of, of, of groups of people. And it's given in a variety of circumstances. The bottom line is, is whoever it's given to, it's abundantly clear that God does not want his people to live in fear. He does not want his people to be afraid. He does not want us to just cower down in the face of adversity or we're, we're faced with a difficult decision. He doesn't want us to be fearful about that. Someone put it this way, we've been given a different fear not for every single day of the year. If there's 365 fear nots in the Bible, that's one for every day of the year. So with a very clear prescription from the creator of the universe that we are to fear not, what can we do about this? Is there a better way to live our lives than we're currently living our lives? Well, the Apostle Paul was writing to his young protege in the ministry. Timothy was working toward becoming a a minister, and this is what he wrote to him in the second letter that he wrote to him in chapter 1, verse 7. He said, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power Love and self-discipline. Now I think it's important for us to understand that there are a couple of different types of fear that we deal with. The first type of fear that I had was not a good fear. My fear of taking the trash out and running back to the house, that was just stupid, all right? Uh, that, that's a crazy, crazy fear. But there is a healthy fear and there is an unhealthy fear. A healthy fear can save your life, right? Do you agree with me on that? Let's imagine for a moment that you decide it's a beautiful day today, so you decide after church you're going to make a picnic lunch and you're going to head over to Brown County and you're going to go walk the trails and you're going to have a wonderful day just basking in God's glory on the trails of Brown County State Park. However, as you are walking along the trails, you run into this guy. Okay? Can you see what this is? Do that, that next one just in case. Now you can see the shape a little bit better. This is a giant timber rattler. That's right. It's a snake. Um, not a good snake either, as if there is any type of good snake. They tell me there is, but I don't believe it. It's a picture that was actually taken at Brown County State Park of, about, of, a, of a timber rattler. It's about eight feet long. What do you do when you see this thing slither across the path in front of you? Are you going to pull out your phone and you're going to look up some Bible verses about how God told us not to be afraid? No, you're going to run like I did, coming back from the trash cans. You're going to get out of there as fast as possible, right? Absolutely. You're going to run like Usain Bolt. Just get out of there. Whether you call it fear, whether you, or whether you call it common sense, I don't know. There's a healthy fear in life that, again, it can be beneficial to you if you learn uh, to recognize the things that you are to, to take into consideration. I feel like I have a healthy fear of a few things in my life that keep me safe. I have a healthy fear of snakes, right? I have a healthy fear of certain spiders, okay, and sharks and tornadoes and of my wife. And and, uh, it's a healthy fear. I shouldn't have said that. I'm a little bit afraid right now. Actually, to be honest, I even brought that up. It's also important to note that as followers of Jesus, a healthy fear of the Lord is not only beneficial, but it is biblical. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And the Hebrew word that is used here means it's the, uh, a fear of the Lord is the beginning of reverence. And that's important as we consider how we are to have a healthy relationship with the Lord. It's good to have Him in the right perspective. It's good to have Him in the right place in our lives. He's the creator of the universe. He's the sustainer of all life. He created the entire galaxy, all of the cosmos. And He has uniquely created this world, and he uniquely sits on the throne of all that there is. And so to ascribe to him something less than who he is is a theological mistake. And I don't think it's a mistake that any of us want to make, right? And so we have to have this healthy fear, this healthy healthy reverence of the Lord. In, in Psalm chapter 5, verse 7, David says, In reverence I will bow down. Proverbs nine ten Solomon says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Of wisdom and so david has this healthy fear of the lord throughout his life and solomon knew that the fear of the lord was not only the beginning of knowledge but also how to use that knowledge the beginning of of wisdom and so this divine reverence or this divine fear that we have of god brings a godly understanding of who god is in our lives and it's an amazing gift that he has given us interestingly Godly fear and reverence are fundamentally about acknowledging God in His proper place in our lives as the the, the the divine creator and the sustainer of life. But as we move on now to discuss an unhealthy fear, I think we need to make a note that it's in the proper place to put God there, the same, the same God that created the universe, He's got to sit in the same place of our lives when we have unhealthy fear, Amen? I mean, we cannot say, okay, we've got this healthy fear of this, 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 and this. But then whenever it comes to these things that we shouldn't be afraid of, when we should take courage and we should uh, really just run headlong into what God is asking us to do, we need to understand that God is the same God and He is still in control in this situation. Right? Unhealthy fear can paralyze you and it can stagnate you. And you need to understand that this is not at all what God wants for your life. God does not want you to live your life stagnant. God does not want you to live your life in a paralyzed state, afraid to make the next move because you don't know what's going to happen. As Paul explains in 2 Timothy 1.7, I read it a moment ago, he didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And so God wants you to grow in your relationship with Him, and He wants you to grow in your relationship with your local church body. He wants you to grow in your relationship with other believers in Christ, and ultimately He wants you to grow in your faith of Him. And so sometimes in order for us to grow in our faith, we have to step out even though we're afraid even though we're fearful. And sometimes it takes very difficult and stressful times for us to draw closer to Him. How many of you have, how many of you have ever been in a situation where um, you're going through a very, very difficult time, but it's in that difficult time that you found yourself closer to the Lord? Absolutely. Here's how James puts it in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. and Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, God wants you to persevere. He wants you to finish the race. He wants to make sure that you are mature. He wants you to make sure that you are complete. He doesn't want you to stay as a baby Christian. He doesn't want you to lack anything. But you need to understand that this process is sometimes a costly one. And there can be many potential problems. There can be many obstacles that we face and they could incite fear along the way. You think about the early church members. What were they afraid of? They were afraid of of persecution. They were afraid of absolutely losing their, their lives. Nowadays, We don't necessarily have to worry about that yet. I mean, that could be not too far down the road, but the potential is certainly there for us to step out of here and be ridiculed for our faith, right? There's there's a possibility for being bullied in school or, or in the workplace or maybe even ostracized from your friends or your family because you stand up for your faith. And don't forget that your allegiance to Jesus makes you a target of the evil one. And he's going to do everything that he can possibly do to bring you down. There are powers and principalities. There are spiritual wickedness in high places that are opposed to your faith. And it is in the face of both earthly and eternal enemies that the Lord says, fear not. Do not be afraid. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew 5.11, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of you. Rejoice and be glad. And what has happened to a lot of people, and I think it's an absolute shame when I look around and I see Christians who are living their lives in misery because they're afraid they've been robbed of the joy that God intended for them to have because they're living their lives in fear. They stop moving forward, they've stopped doing what God has called them to do, and they just cower down in fear, and just hope that the enemy doesn't get them. Instead of a spirit of fear, God says, I have given you a spirit of power, I've given you a spirit of love, I've given you a spirit of of self-discipline. And I want to take a, a little bit of time here for the remainder of the, of the sermon to look at these three words, these three things that God has given us through His Holy Spirit and how each of them can strengthen your faith. And I think this is some of the most exciting stuff that we can hear from the Word of God, especially in light of the troubles that we are facing in our world today. So let's look at those three words that that uh, God has given to us. Right, The first thing that we're giving is the Spirit of God. Uh, or that were given by the Spirit, is is power. And this word that uh, Paul uses when he's writing to Timothy, it's the same word that Jesus gave the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He said, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The kind of power that Jesus said He would give to His disciples to be witnesses in all places is a power that enables us to move forward in faith and forget about fear. It leaves no room for fear. It leaves no room for doubt. And when in the life of a believer, the Holy Spirit is working in them and through them, there's nothing that cannot be accomplished in accordance with the will of God. Nothing. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it in in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. If it's God's will and He has called you to do it, you're going to be able to do it in His power. If you're sitting out there and you're saying, Oh, I just don't know if I can live another day in this life. I don't know if I can face this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know about that. God says you can. If it's His will, God says You can. Not to mention what it says in Romans 8, 11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through the spirit who lives in you. In other words, this is what Jeremy Camp is saying in his song. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Think about that. How much power does it take for a dead person to come back to life? That's a lot of power. Paul is telling us that that's the same power that lives inside of us. And so if you're out there today and you're you're experiencing an unhealthy amount of fear and the fear that you have is the unhealthy type and it's hindering you from experiencing the life in Christ that God wants you to have, then you need to check yourself and remember that when you were baptized into Christ, the Holy Spirit of God took up residency in your life and it's a spirit of power and it can be miracle working power i think we discount miracles too much today we kind of push them down we say oh well that was just a new testament thing miracles still happen today now i can't stand up here and perform them i don't believe that individuals perform miracles but i think god's doing miracles every single day i talked to my brother this week in I think God's in the process of working a miracle in him as he walked this week 175 feet. And it wasn't all that long ago he couldn't even move his leg. And I think God's working a miracle in him. I think God's doing miracles all all the time. Uh, And when you were baptized into Christ, that power that's able to perform miracles in your life took up residency in your life. This miracle-working, death-defying, grave-robbing power that gives you the ability to do all things in Christ according to His will. And that doesn't mean you can go out and do whatever you want to do and just say, oh, you know, I can do this because I have the ability to do this. It's in accordance with with God's will. The Bible also tells us that not only do we receive power, but we also receive love from the Holy Spirit. So we receive... uh, power. We receive love. The book of First John does the same. Uh, uses the same word that Paul uses when he tells Timothy uh, that we are to have this spirit of love. And, and this could be an entire sermon in and of itself. But here's, here's what he says. He said, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. So here's what I think this is saying. When we walk in a spirit of love, as Jesus did, unhealthy fear is driven far away from us, right? In other words, whatever it is that you are afraid of right now, or maybe for some of us it's whoever it is that we're afraid of right now, because I think that's a legitimate concern right now in the minds of a lot of people, that you know, uh, we're, not, we're not sure of the, the other person. When we learn to love people like Jesus did, we stop looking at people as the enemy, and we start to love them. That doesn't mean we approve of everything that they do, but when we start to love people the way Jesus loves us, with that agape kind of love, then I think that's going to be a game changer for us and the fear that we have and the anxiety that we have or the worry or the doubt or whatever it is that's going on in your life, I encourage you to check yourself. Make sure that you're walking in the spirit of love. And if you're not, there's the problem. And so the Holy Spirit says, I'm going to give you power. I'm going to give you the spirit of of love. And again, this is uh, uh, agape love. We have the same... You know, we use love for a lot of different things. You know, I say I love my wife I love pizza. But there's a huge difference in the way that I love my wife and the way that I love pizza. We just have one word. The Apostle Paul uses, I love my wife more, by the way, in case anybody saying, a lot more. And, uh, man, that's twice I've said something that wasn't very uplifting uh, to her. Uh, I apologize. Where do you want to eat today? Um, where are you at? There you are. Um, The Apostle Paul is saying, when you have that agape, unconditional kind of love, ah, it's a game changer. Perfect love, agape love, casts out fear. And then the Holy Spirit gives us not only power and love, but He gives us self-discipline. How many of you in this room struggle with self-discipline? Be honest, I do sometimes. depends on what the situation is. But but how many of you have already struggled today with self-discipline? Well, you're in good company and I have good news to share with you. It takes a lot of self-discipline to recognize fear and deal with it appropriately because a lot of things that are going on in our lives, sometimes we might not even see them as fear. And the only way we're going to see them as fear is if we are disciplined enough to do an accurate um, inspection of our own lives. And see what it is. And it takes a lot of discipline to do that. It's simply easier, I think, for us to just let it go. Something comes up in our life, just let it go. Shrug it off. It's just a fact of life. The issue is, it's not a fact of the life that God wants us to have. It might be a fact of this life in this world where a lot of sinful people are doing a lot of silly things, but it's not the life that God has called you to. And so Paul wraps up his encouragement to Timothy by reminding him that he's given him a, that God has given him a spirit of self-discipline along with power and love. And discipline is a necessary ingredient in the process of becoming all that God wants us to be. We need to be disciplined. We need to take the necessary time to accurately diagnose what we are experiencing experiencing, and even more discipline to deal with it, right? And God has given us exactly what we need to do. that. He knew that we were going to need all three ingredients. He knew that we were going to need power. He knew that we were going to need love. He knew that we were going to need self-discipline. He knew that all of these things were going to be necessary on this side of heaven for us to live our lives the way that he wants us to live our lives, which is in freedom, not fear. And all of us who struggle with self discipline, don't forget that in this area of self discipline, back up a couple words, God's given you the power to do it. He has. He's given you the power to be self disciplined. I don't like to talk about this a lot, especially in public. I hadn't planned to, but it just came to mind. You know, um, Stacy used to tell me all the time, you know. You, You'd probably feel better if you'd lose weight, and I'm like, "I can't lose weight, you know I can't do that and it was almost like God was saying, "Why can't you? why can't you and it ju- it it just takes some 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 self discipline and some and some hard work, and I was able to do it with the help of of God and the love of my wife who did it with me and and just do it now, and that's just a small thing, right. God is saying there are so many things in your life that you can do that you don't even realize you can do if you were just disciplined enough to do it. And so all of us who struggle with that issue of self-discipline, God has given you, He loves you enough, He has given you the power to do what He's calling you to do. And we need enough discipline in our lives to check ourselves every single We need to discipline ourselves and form new habits. We need to learn to identify healthy fear in our lives and the unhealthy, know the difference. And we need abundant power and we need love in our responses. Thankfully, through the power of Jesus Christ, we've been given these things. So this week, our challenge is straightforward, really. And this is your homework for the the week because I think all of us, Throughout the week, you're probably going to have a moment in your life and maybe before the days even uh, when you begin to feel fear in your life. Here's what I encourage you to do. I encourage you to take time and identify whether it's a healthy fear, like an eight-foot timber rattler, right? Run away. (laughs) Or an unhealthy fear that you're dealing with. Trust the Holy Spirit to work in your lives. Trust what God has given you. I also encourage you to write down the different situations um, that uh, you know you could encounter hypothetical situations. You know one thing that I always liked to teach when I coached was you 've got to be one step ahead of the game, right What could happen, think about what could happen along the way and anticipate. I encourage you to think about how you're going to respond in different situations along the way so that it doesn't knock you uh, off your foundation, so that it doesn't catch you by surprise, that you're ready for whatever the enemy throws at you. Write those down. Pray about how you might respond so that whenever that happens, you're ready for the enemy's attack. The starting point for all of this is Jesus. And let me just share with you very quickly as the worship team comes to lead us in a song of decision. The starting point is Jesus, of course. But I noticed that when I would take out the trash, if my dad would walk out to the trash can with me, or if he was just standing on the back porch watching me, just stroll out to the trash can and stroll back like it was no big deal. I was not afraid. because I knew dad was there. And if anything was going to happen, dad's going to take care of it. Guys, God is watching you. And nothing's going to happen to you that catches him off guard, that knocks him off of his throne there for you. In fact, he's promised that in those times of trouble, he's even, he's even closer. So if you haven't, if you haven't placed your trust in him, first of all, that's where it starts. And we teach you to do that by confessing Jesus is the Christ. You repent of your sins. You're baptized into him for the washing away of your sins, and you enter into this relationship with Christ where you understand the Holy Spirit of God has has given you love and power and discipline in your lives. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. For those of you who have not made that decision, that's certainly something you can do. For those of you who have already made that decision, would you just lay those fears at the feet of Jesus now? Maybe it's something you just need... Uh, the Church to pray with you about we'd love to do that maybe it's uh um, maybe it's a a challenge that you've got coming up you don't know what to do, and you're afraid you're just paralyzed and you want some prayer we'd love to pray with you maybe you're watching online today you can you can contact us, text us at the church connection number if you're ready to make a decision or if you need prayer we'll do that as well. Pray for you. Whatever your decision is, would you just lay them at the feet of Jesus? Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares.